You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. It's almost a very, very understated issue in society about life after professional athletics and after sport because there is one thing that you've done for your entire life there is one thing that you know how to do really really good but what's next and i think that's where a lot of people get stuck is because they don't know they don't know what other passions they have beyond whether it's swimming or you know gymnastics whatever rowing whatever it is what is the next step in your life that you're going to take I could have swam till Tokyo easily. Chances are I would have qualified, but I just knew I was ready for the next chapter of my life. For me swimming was never an end goal, it was just a step to help me build what I want to build, which is now my own business. And so I never looked at at swimming as the end of the road. That was Nina Sadowskis. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I sync up with Nina Sadakis three-time Olympic swimmer from Bulgaria, NCAA All-American from Southern Methodist University, where she was captain of her team. She is also an entrepreneur and founder of Delfina Athletics and a proud mom. Before we dive in, shout out to our sponsors, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra-personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go-to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. And use our code CHEERSMARNIE for 25% off. On this episode, I sync up with Nina to talk about her experiences growing up in the Bulgarian competitive sports world and the details of her journey to the Olympics. We chat about the tough realities of professional athletics, and Nina shares her thoughts on the need for better access to mental health resources among Olympians. Nina shares how in 2016, she pivoted from athletics to entrepreneurship when she founded swimwear company, Delfina Athletics, working hand in hand with the reputable Delfina out of her home country. She opened her own distribution in the U.S., establishing the brand as a premier custom gear supplier to aquatic teams and organizations. 
Nina reveals her inspiration behind the brand, the Tokyo Lights collection, as well as shares her goals about moving forward. Get ready to be inspired. P.S. Nina has kindly offered Marnie on the Move listeners 10% off with the code MARNIE10. I highly recommend adding one of the swimsuits from the Tokyo Lights collection to your wardrobe. They are super stylish and fit great. All right, on to our conversation. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. It's easy. Head over to your Apple device, click on the Marnie on the Move podcast, click on five stars, click on leave a review and tell us what you love. Also, share this episode or other episode or other episodes that you like with your friends on your social channels and tag us. And lastly, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter, The Download. Now, on to Nina. Where did your journey into swimming begin? I think I was relatively old when I started swimming simply because I was in a different sport. Rhythmic gymnastics, it's pretty big in Bulgaria and they go and recruit girls from, you know, pre-K and kindergarten. So I got into that for about three or four years, but I just realized it really wasn't my thing. It was not the sport that I see myself exceeding in. And I was just not having fun, you know, at the age of eight or nine, it was a struggle. And my parents didn't want me to have that kind of a childhood. Um, And then a friend of a friend had somebody who was swimming. And I think my parents just wanted me to do something because I was a very energetic kid. I had a lot of energy to burn out. And I just feel like they really didn't want me to do to burn all that energy at home. So they were like, okay, there is a pool close by. Let's just teach you how to swim. So A, you burn all the craziness out of yourself. And B, so you know how to swim when we go to vacation. I don't know if I was able to swim. I definitely didn't have fear of water or anything like that. But I definitely didn't know like any proper strokes or anything like this. So There was a pool close by that I could walk to. I started swimming at third grade, so about nine years old. Um, We started school here at seven. So I was third grade when I started swimming. And it was a pool that was um, 18 yards long. It was a really, really (laughs) odd, really odd. So that would be 16 and a half meters. So everything in Europe is meters, you know that. And we would have to do three laps in order for us to do a 50. And so I started... Yeah. So it was a really weird thing. And I swam there for about two years, just a couple of times a week um, here and there. I got a really good first coach that taught me how to swim all four strokes. And in fifth grade, there is a system here in Bulgaria, which is called sports school. So you go into like essentially a sports academy that also um, gets you through school. So it's middle school and high school um, scheduled in a way that allows you to train twice a day. So you Um, Depending on what grade you are in, first you would go to swim, then you go to school for half of your kind of classes, and then you go back to swim, and then you go back to to school again for for an afternoon session. So essentially, I would leave home, you know, in fifth grade, um, you know, public transportation, everybody uses public transportation here, especially, you know, as 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 a student, and I would take the bus at 630 in the morning. 
and I'll be back home, you know, at 6.30 or seven at night. So in ter- now that I'm a parent and I'm reflecting on this, I'm like, this is a really good system for a parent, knowing that your child can get there somewhere by herself or himself, be there the whole day, you know, at every point of every point of the day where they are even you know back in the day cell phones were not such a big thing so especially here in 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 eastern europe when i was you know fifth sixth grade now i feel like it's everybody takes it for granted but back in the day you don't know so is everyone in your school in the same direction like they're all athletes so they're all on the same schedule yes they're all athletes you have you know different classes would have different athletes. So I think they would like kind of switch them throughout the, during the years. But, you know, we had soccer in our class, we had wrestling, we had weightlifting, we had gymnastics, a lot of different sports. And so you really get to know on a personal level, a lot of other people that are in the same boat with you in terms of athletics. So, I mean, I, I love this system. I wish, I wish they had something similar. That's so great. I mean, that's such a great Mm -hmm. concept, especially because, you know, as parents, you're like driving your kids everywhere. So to know that like there's a program. Mm -hmm. Everything is close by. So the school is right next to the swimming pool and then to all the other, you know, venues that you're going to need, you know, the stadium for track and field, the, you know, the, the gymnastic hall or um, training facility that they're they're training in. So it's yeah. super convenient. And and their dorms, you know, so if you're from out of town, if you live in somewhere in the suburbs, and it takes you a while to get to school, there is an option for you to stay in the dorms, you know, Monday to Friday, then go home during the weekend, which I mean, That's I think pretty it's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, I don't think I was realizing it at the time. Right. But now I think just kind of reflecting on that. It, it's pretty cool. So at what point did you, you know, you're going to the school, your parents put you in the school. So at what point were you like, I really love this. I want to do this as a career. I don't know if there was one particular moment where, yeah. I, where when I thought that, but it was more of like things just start happening for me. I just kept improving my times. I got into the national team. They started bringing me to like international meets and camps. And I was, you know, one of the, you know, one of the girls that was competing for this country. And then I was in 11th grade and they switched national coaches. And so the new, when the new coach came, it's kind of a very long story, but long story short, in 11th grade, they decided I was good enough and I had a chance to qualify for the Olympics, the Beijing Olympics at the time. And so they started bringing me more aggressively to camps, meaning like 200 days out of the year. I was not at home. I was at training camps because even though we do have facilities in my city, we didn't have an Olympic sized pool. You need to train an Olympic sized pool if you want to qualify for the Olympics. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We have a 25 25, um, meter pool. So I would spend a lot, a lot of time um, in different cities, training camps. Um, and then in April of 2008, I qualified for Beijing. I, I mean, I didn't know if it's going to happen. I was just wanted to do all I could do and, and be disciplined and dedicated and do my trainings and, and listen to my coach and, and things happened. So, and you know, 2008, I, I wasn't even 18 yet. And I went to Beijing I was the only girl there. Um, we had, you know, we're a small country. Um, 
and we had two other guys that competed in the in, in swimming we had another one who did open water but I was the only girl there and, and two other guys and, I mean we had a blast I was also like really young not really experienced not necessarily have traveled much especially to Asia at the time and so I mean it was a whole new world that I that I saw and that I experienced that really opened my eyes to you know, they say, if you, if you see it, you can be it. Yeah. And so I think that was, that was the moment for me where I was like, okay, well, Michael Phelps is here. Ryan Lochte's here. They're just people like, you know, why, why not? You know? So in 2010, I got recruited by uh, Steve Collins, who's the head coach at SMU. And he's like, Hey, you know what? I'm a coach in Dallas and I would love to offer you a full scholarship. Our tuition costs $55,000 a year. Um, you're going to have everything paid for. We have a huge tradition in international swimming. Do you want to come swim for, with us for us? You're still going to compete for Bulgaria. We'll go to all of your international meets, Europeans, worlds, all, all that jazz. And I mean, it was a really hard decision. Um, yeah. I, I had never been to the U.S. at the time. I barely spoke English, to be honest. And, you know, my parents could have traveled with me because it's far and it's expensive and tickets are really expensive. And I didn't know where I was going. The only thing I knew was that there was a TV show called Dallas and people were riding cars. <laughs> I remember that show. I loved it. That's so funny. Oh, it was it was a national TV for years. <laughs> But that's really all, all I knew about Dallas and, and Texas. And all of a sudden I'm going to this, to this place that I don't even know where it is. And I don't know anybody there, period. Right. But fast forward, I had a time of my life with this team. And these girls, till this day, they're, you know, some of my best friends. And I, it was a hard decision, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so and exciting. Then, yeah. Yeah, in 2012, I was a was a sophomore, I think, at the time. I qualified for London Olympics, and then I graduated, and I finished my eligibility in 2014, and I stayed for an extra year um, to finish my degree, and because of visa requirements at the time, I wanted to make sure that I would have a way to stay in the U.S. till 2016 and train with my coach there at SMU. And in 2015, I ended up making an A cut, which is an automatic qualifier for the Olympics. I ended up getting a, uh, a credit card, I was going to say a green card because of swimming, because I applied as an extraordinary abilities, ended up getting my green card in 2016, competed in the Rio Olympics, and then retired. Wow. At the age of 26. So not too young. No, not too young. That's awesome. <laughs> no. I mean, and, and now you have your own business. So... What, before we go into your business, what's your event? In What was your event in the Olympics? Like, what are your best events? So at all three Olympics, um, you know, throughout my career, I've gone, you know, at the beginning, I used to swim 1500 free and 800 free when I was younger. And then I, when I got older, kind of like my events got shorter in terms of, you know, I was moving closer to the sprint events. But the only event that I would, sw that I swam throughout all three Olympics was the 200 free. Um, that was the only event that I qualified when I was 17, I went to Beijing and then in London, I qualified for three events, the hundred, the 200 and the 400 free. So I swam all four of those. 
And then in Rio, I wasn't swimming 400 anymore. So I swam the 100 and the 200. Cool. Freestyle. And now I had to ask you this question because as we're all watching the Olympics right now, it's a very different time. And I was just yeah. wondering like if you ever felt like, as an athlete like that pressure or anxiety. I think it's very understated in my country. Rarely there are people and athletes that talk to psychologists and they almost feel like talking to psychologists means that there is something wrong with them. I, I, I wanted a major in psychology. I ended up minoring in, minoring in it. I, I love the idea of every single person having regular sessions with a psychologist because it's, it's a very, it's a third party opinion that sometimes when you're too much into something, you don't necessarily see it and they're able to provide you with a different perspective. Um, but as an athlete, it's a must. When you're at the highest athletic forum there is, there's so much pressure. All eyes are on you, especially if you're the best at something. Yeah. Everybody, everybody relies on you. Everybody wants you to be the best that you can be at that, you know, at those two minutes that you have trained for the past four years. And it's literally your whole life almost what it feels like at the time is on the line yeah. for that one time that you're going that you need to perform at your best. And so the pressure is immense, like 100%. And I wish that more people would, would realize this because like media, you know, it's not what it used to be right. 10 years ago. It's not what it used to be five years ago. So now there is so much overload of information that a lot of times, you know, athletes read that, that stuff. Yeah. It, it's hard not to because it's everywhere. It's everywhere I mean, around you. Even when I'm listening to the commentators, it's like painful sometimes, the things yeah. they say. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm almost horrified, to be honest, with some of the, yeah. the kind of judgy, mean things they say. Uh, yeah. I mean. I, I didn't yeah. listen. Yeah. I watched the Olympics in Bulgaria and we had, you know, Bulgarian commentators but yeah, I, it's so hard. Like, I can't even imagine. To even understand yeah. this, if you're, you know, th these Olympics are the first Olympics in my kind of like more mature life that I was purely watching on TV because I've been there. I've been in it for the last, what, 13 years. Yeah. And this is the very first time that I'm just sitting on the side and watching and not being necessarily like not personally and emotionally involved to that level that I used to be. But every time um, I s knew somebody swimming or, you know, you know, playing or whatever, you know, sport they were doing at the Olympics, I felt that that same, it, it, it doesn't have to be like an anxiety in a, in a negative way. Sometimes it could be right. a really positive emotion, a really, um, like you know, super excited. Like, yeah. You're super excited, but it, there is a really fine line between being super excited and being like anxious about, about something. Right. And there are professionalists that, that help athletes figure that part out. Yeah. And it's totally fine. Um, I think every team has to have a psychologist yeah. that, that they rely on. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, as someone who has you know, sometimes anxiety around swimming, open water swimming. Like I, I understand it's like 
you know, and I'm not a professional athlete, so I can't even imagine all the other elements. And I don't have anxiety because anybody cares if I'm going to win. I'm just afraid, you know, in the water sometimes. Yeah. And I create all kinds of stories, but it's still the same feeling, right? It's like pressure, you know, I'm there, I signed up, I have to do it, you know, and I'm terrified, but I can't even imagine, nor can I compare myself to someone who's professional or an Olympian, it's like you sign up to do something that you love and you're doing mm-hmm. what you love and you get this honor and opportunity to do it for your country. And then you're like on billions of TV screens and there's, you're right, like the media is next level now. I mean, between TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and it's not just like an interview with Good Morning America. Everybody wants part of you and then you are just there to do this job and at, at a certain point, there is also like, do I do this for myself? Right. Or do I do this for other people? And and it's fine either way. You right. just need to be clear on, on what it is. And I'm all about um, like doing something for something bigger than yourself. Yes. But you also need to get into the personal level and realize that if you win, everybody wins. If you lose... It only you're the only one that loses it's not going to impact anybody else right but if you win I mean it's going to be an enormous emotion that you're going to be able to to help those people experience because yeah. every time I'm sure every time you hear the American national anthem in the Olympics you get goosebumps I get goosebumps every time I hear the Bulgarian national anthem and we haven't heard it since in 13 years so this is the first Olympics that we've had an Olympic champion and I mean it, it's amazing it, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's a really good feeling. Yeah. I mean, there are some really talented, I mean, just unbelievably yeah. talented athletes yeah. and swimmers. I've been so into watching the swimming, secretly hoping that I can take away some form yeah. and technique tips for right. my pool swimming. Yeah. I mean, I love yeah. it. Yeah. It's- yeah. And especially when, you, when you're an athlete and you know how much work you need to put into it. I mean, it's not just, you know, the, the six hours a day that you need to train. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. It's a lifestyle that you need to have if you want to succeed. Yeah. It's nutrition, it's diet, it's sleep. It's so many family recovery. Yeah. 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 So now you're a relatively new mom. You just, you know, you started a new business and this is not so far out after the Olympics. So how are you taking some of your lessons from being an athlete and, competing at that level to, you know, being a mom and parent and also, you know, with your business? Yeah, that that's a really good question. I think the biggest thing that would relate to both business and being a new mom and and really doing both of these simultaneously, because this is, you know, what you got to do, right? um, It's being organized, um, being, being able to prioritize things. First and foremost, I am a mother. I would, you know, if I need to cancel a meeting because I have a sick child, you know, I'm not even going to think twice about it because like motherhood for me comes first and your business can adjust to that in a way that doesn't, doesn't impact you Um, you know, sacrificing things that you don't want to sacrifice. Of course, there's going to be sacrifices. And then I think the other big thing is being disciplined. You know, as a swimmer, you need to jump in the cold pool every morning at 6 a.m. You don't want to do this. And there's a lot of things in in life and in motherhood and and, in business that 
you don't necessarily really enjoy doing, but you have to do it. And so I think this is, um, you know, sometimes could be a roadblock for a lot of people because um, like you just need to do whatever it takes. And I think yeah. that's another another big aspect in for athletes in general to be able to succeed as, as you know, in the workforce, not, not even as entrepreneurs, just in general, being dedicated to something, um, and not giving up, even if you have, even if you fail, because in swimming, I learned that I get better, the more that I fail. And it it may, it may sound kind of bad, but I've definitely learned more from the times that I wasn't able to beat my record or the time that I wasn't able to perform at my best because I would go back and dig deep and figure out what is the reason why I didn't do it. And so once you figure out the reason, you've got the solution. And so those same principles apply in business. Just because one thing didn't work, it doesn't mean you you need to give up and just like stop and, you know, do something new, you know, from the beginning. It's just the being able to fight for what you want to do, um, I think um, it's applicable in in all of these all of these areas. Tell me about Delfina Athletics and your swimwear company. Delfina Athletics is an extension of a Bulgarian-based company, Delfina, who is really big um, into um, what in the water polo space, more specifically in Australia and New Zealand. But everything is made in Bulgaria. The company's headquarters are based in Sofia, which is the capital in, of Bulgaria. And when I was in college, I was looking into a team gift. I was a captain of the swim team for a couple of years, and I wanted every year we would do a gift where the girls almost like kind of buy it for themselves. Um, but we every year we would do something to show our team pride. And I was looking for something that I wanted to be unique. I wanted to be like extremely high quality. I wanted to be something that we would all cherish throughout our years at SMU. And then I found this Bulgarian company, Delfina, that makes custom swimwear and gear. And it, they would, they created a design literally from a scratch using our logo. We had an amazing, an amazing kick-ass suit um and they they created it for us and all of the girls loved it and every time we would go to a swim meet other teams would look at us and be like oh my gosh these are so cool where'd you guys get these like we want one of those like can they put our logo can they do this can they do that and I was like dang like why isn't there something like this in the in the U.S. market that can work on a team level but can also like do it on a, on a personal level, because, you know, back to the point about training and and doing something for something bigger than yourself, you want to show your team pride. You, you, you're part of a particular group of athletes that support each other, no matter what. And this is almost giving back to your, to your community by, by showing your appreciation through, through your gear. And you know how it is. You go to, you go to a swim meet and then all of a sudden all the teams have the same pattern that's created yeah. for the masses with a different logo on. But why is it that each team doesn't have their own specific thing that's going to help them stand out and it's going to help them show their, their team pride. And so actually it was 2016 when I um, started brainstorming about the idea to have 
to have to be an official U.S. distributor of Delfina in the U.S. Again, they're really big in the water polo space. We actually have teams at the Olympics that we sponsor. But swimming in the swimming world and the triathlon world needs something like this because 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 you're being a part of a team. Why not show that team pride? I noticed for the first time at the level of fashion in the swimwear at the Olympics has really leveled up yeah. this year. I was really impressed. Yeah. And I mean, as a swimmer, you know, you you put your hair in a ponytail, you put a swim cap, you put your goggles on. There isn't much that you can show, right. um, but it, you can definitely stand out um, through your gear. Um, and so, yeah, I think fashion and, and athletics and sports are really like getting like um, strong ties recently, which, which is cool. I think you're onto something with the swimwear, though, because I think it started with like running and fitness, right? There's all these brands that are designing mm-hmm. cute things for those kinds of athletics. And obviously, because the industries are much bigger and, you know, you see right. that triathletes and cyclists have custom kits and they're branded and they're designed like Castelli right. or. Mm-hmm. It, and it is something that, um, you know, as, as a swimmer, you always go out there and you try to find the most unique suit that not necessarily many people are going to have. Um, and it's, it, and why not have like Tokyo Lights specifically? I was working with an Austin based abstract artist, Jody King, who, because, you know, going kind of tying this back to the Olympics. So yeah, the Tokyo Lights collection um, was born because this was the first time since 2008 that I would not be participating at the Olympics. And it's the first time that I have my own business. So I wanted to to tie both of these together. And I wanted to create a collection that's unique, that is going to speak to to the mission of my company, but also is going to be personal to me. I, I wanted it to, I wanted it to be something to make me excited and, and not necessarily miss the Olympics too much on an emotional level. And so Jody King um, created this piece called Tokyo Lights that really reflects on two of the most famous areas in Tokyo. One is um, Shubia and the other one is um, Shinjuku. I don't even know if I pronounced them right, but one is the most famous one with the lights, the neon lights, and then the other one is the one with the crosswalks. I'm sure you've, yeah. you've mm-hmm. seen them. And so she created this abstract piece that literally looks like you're looking into um, Tokyo from space. And so this was so amazing because like we're going back to doing something for something bigger than yourself. Right. And and just seeing the painting, I was like, this is amazing. I I want to put this on on anything that I could possibly put this on. And so this is how the Tokyo Lights collection was born. Um, It's it's a unique collection. I don't think we're gonna have any any refills or if we do, um, they're gonna be very limited. We're only gonna launch this once and once it's sold out, it's sold out for for good. Um, And this, you know, goes back to some having something as an athlete that 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 is not only really high quality, but it's also unique. And in terms of quality, um, we recently started using a material um, that's made out of recycled fishnets. That's cool. So all of the swimwear that the swimwear that you got, it's it's made out of recycled fishnets, and it's 
eco-friendly and it's sustainable and, and it's rad. It's, it's simply unique and it has an amazing design that it, that is going to help you, um, stand out and it's going to help you emotionally, I think while you're swimming and it's going to give you a little bit of a push every time you, you need to go to the pool or you're at the pool. So this is why it was created. Yeah. I mean, fashion totally motivates me. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I, I, I know who I am. And uh, (laughs) when I have a new swimsuit. And there's nothing wrong about that. I mean, I, like, I think we all feel the same way. Not all of us own it though. So kudos to you for that. I mean, it sounds silly, but I mean, it's, it dates back to my first time windsurfing and going to the store to buy all my equipment and picking out sales that looked good. And the guy at the store was like, uh, so basically, you know, these sales are for, you know, wave jumping and oh my god, going to go out and sail, you know, flat, fast wind. So you kind of need a different sail. Oh my you know, gosh. That's, that's it was so frustrating for me. I think that was my first foray into being frustrated by the ugly designs of my sport and not being able to just or the no designs, you know, a lot yeah. of times it's just solid yeah. black or totally. gray or whatever. I think it's really an awesome thing what you're offering with Delphina Athletics. We we do everything made to order. So when a team reaches out to us, we create a design with with a designer from a scratch based on um, their Pantone colors or their logo or you know whatever inspiration ideas that they may have in triathlon a lot of times they like us to match their triathlon kit vibe mm-hmm. and so we do that um for you know for swim teams we we it's inspired by them it, it's essentially created by them we just put it on you know on the suit and so it's like your custom design company so bre- so swim teams athletes yeah, brand like companies reach out yeah. to you to custom design like almost like their kit, but it's a swimsuit. Right. Yeah, that's what it is. And, um, you know, my goal is to really do to to be the one stop shop for all team gear needs for all swim teams. And so that is going to include towels and backpacks and, you know, sweatpants, T-shirts, everything that a swim team may need. Um, we have it, um, and we can, and that essentially reduces a lot on the administration end for coaches because they don't have to go and seek out different vendors for different items. They can have it all in the one place. We have custom team shop system that all athletes or, or parents, if they're younger, can go and place their individual orders. Um, we close the orders at a certain date and we go ahead and produce everything. It only takes about three weeks to produce and then another week or so to ship it out. We have really low minimum order quantities. We have, yeah, it, our minimum um, order quantities are five pieces. And do you have a bunch of designers or are you doing the design or who's doing? We have designers that that create the design. So whatever, whatever the team needs us to do, I would transfer that information to our design team and they'll go ahead and, and create the, the piece. Tweak things afterwards. We have um, unlimited amount of tweaks and so if we need to go back and forth like a million times we'll do it as long as our customers are satisfied and, and they're happy we haven't had anybody um that we would knew we would do like too many you know tweaks but you know we want to make sure that whatever we create is 100 percent what what the team and the athlete has has envisioned so and so and you're using this sort of this sustainable fabric for all your swimwear yes. now 
We have we have two options. We have our um, our regular fabric, and we also have the the you know recycled fishnet fabric. But honestly, in the last year, I don't think I've produced any swimwear with the regular fabric. And any any chance I get, we 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 produce it in the you know in the sustainable one. And I obviously teams want that one more right. than they want the regular because sustainability so. is like now. Yeah, I mean the biggest thing in fashion for all across mm-hmm. on, and I think it's there's a couple brands in the world of cycling and triathlon too that are starting to really bring mm-hmm. that into their mix of design and production, which is great. Yeah, yeah, and I think every little bit that we as as, as businesses we can do to help the planet, like I think it's just it's necessary. Yeah, and now before you started your own company and after the Olympics, you were working in PR, in endurance sports PR for a long time and marketing, right? Well, a little bit of everything. It was, it was a, it was a startup company. So we were, we were all wearing a lot of different hats. What lessons do you take from, you know, working with a startup and having a job to bringing from that to your new business? Hustling. You got to hustle. You got, you got to hustle. And I think a lot of the lessons that I, that I brought to my first job were brought from swimming that essentially I'm bringing now, um, you know, to, to my business, but throughout my, throughout my career in PR and marketing, I was able to meet with some pretty rad people like yourself, for example. And, you know, we were able to, um, to establish a connection, you know, as somebody who moved here at the age of 20, I had to start from zero beyond the swim team and a couple of girls from my, um, you know, PR and communication classes at SMU, I didn't know anybody. Right. And, you know, a few families that I used to babysit for, (laughs) but beyond that, you know, you, you got to start your network from ground zero. And as somebody who wants to, who's staying in the country and needs to exceed in their job and their main, as somebody who, who works with people, on, on daily basis and whose, whose business is essentially based on um, the amount of connections that you have, because um, you need, you need to, you need to be able to showcase your product. And, and yes, there like, especially now during COVID, there's mm-hmm. not that many events that you can participate to showcase the things that you offer. So I think that's that's one of the main takeaways um, that, that I just had from my previous job. All the amazing people that I know that I still work till, with them till this day. And I was able to, you know, continue the conversation and the communication with them. How did you decide to go into PR? I majored in communications and public relations. And it, it was a very co- complicated way to say the major. But um, I ended up double majoring in communications and public affairs and strategic communications and um I honestly forgot. It, it's been a while, but yeah. Anyway, um, it was essentially marketing and, and and communications and PR. And I coming into the U.S., <clears throat> I wanted to be a journalist. Okay. I came in and I was like, I'm gonna major in journalism. Um, and then I had a friend, a Bulgarian friend actually, um, at SMU, who was like, Okay, I just finished my 30-page paper, and I was like oh my gosh, I don't think I can major in journalism. I don't speak English. Like, how am I going to do that? Um, And then I was like, okay, I want to major in psychology. So I started taking psychology classes. And then I was like, dang, this is not the one either. Um, And and then I, my actually um, roommate 
ended up taking, she actually ended up dropping it because she was afraid of public speaking, but it was a PR intro to PR class. And one of the things that she had to do was like a speech. And back in the day in my high school, I used to host a lot of the, a lot of the shows and the events. And I, um, you know, it was like, I guess the speaker of the school. So, I mean, I love that. I love that stuff. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so PR essentially is the middle between psychology and journalism. (laughs) So (laughs) I started, I I started majoring in that. I mean, granted, I did end up writing papers that were 30 pages long, but yeah, this is how I ended up getting involved in PR. And then my manager at Roca had a, I mean, she still has a a son who used to, who's swimming and she hired me through, through people that I used to babysit for to start teaching her son private swimming lessons. Okay. So this is, this is how I met her. And, uh, you know, Diane, yeah. Um, we, we both know her Yeah, and we work together till this day. You know, she, um, after she separated with the company, she found her own PR boutique agency that now we work with some Awesome um, brands. Pretty, pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. Brands and companies. So, so, I mean, she claims that as soon as she saw me there, like she realized that there are not that many people that can make her son behave at that level. And she was like, okay, well, the company that I'm working for, it's growing a lot. And I'm the VP of public relations and communications. Do you like, I need some help. What did you major in college? I was like, well, believe it or not, it was PR and communications. I was first called in to try on a, on a new swimwear line, actually, because there were some fitting issues that um, she kept hearing from editors. And at first they, they brought me in for that. And then we started speaking and, and she was like, okay, you know, I'm a one man band. I really need some help because this company is growing. Can you start? And this is June of 2016. And I was like, yeah, like, I mean, I would love to talk more about it and, you know, learn. And she's like, okay, great. When can you start? And I was like, well, I've got this thing going on in about a month, the Olympics. Well, once I'm done with this, we can talk and I can, and I can start, you know, whenever you need me to start. So that's so smart. You were competing at an Olympic level and also planning out your career beyond that. Yeah. I think it's almost a very understated issue in society about life after professional athletics and after sport, because there is one thing that you've done for your entire life. There is one thing that you know how to do really, really good. But what's next? And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is because they don't know, they don't know what other passions they have beyond whether it's swimming or you know gymnastics or whatever, rowing, whatever it is. What is the next step in your life that you're gonna take? I could have swam till Tokyo easily. Chances are I would have qualified, but I just knew I was ready for the next chapter of my life. For me, swimming was never was never an end goal. It was just a step to help me build what I want to build, which is now my own business. And so I never looked at, at swimming as the end of the road. I think it's not just athletes. I think people have this idea that they're supposed to do one thing their entire life and they build their identity around that one thing. But life is long. And I think there's a lot of opportunity and there's lots of parallels or things that can translate to the next thing that you do. And so I feel like life is more like a book with different chapters and Mm -hmm. phases. Oh, 100%. Yeah. When you hear about athletes, everybody is so young. So when you're so young, like you don't know that. 
And I think that's a lesson you get with age. You know, you're an athlete, you're always an athlete. That's going to be yeah. one aspect of your personality. But I think, you know, you're so much more than that. And I, I do think that's mm-hmm. something that's been like super challenging for a lot of athletes at the Olympics that they're vocalizing finally. But I also mm-hmm. think that you're right. Like every athlete should have a therapist or a psychologist because at that age, you're like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And if I don't win, my life is over. But that's, it's just one part of your life, right? It's a tool to the next level. Yeah. And it, this is not what defines you as a person, whether yeah. you win or you lose or you do your, your best time or you don't. This is, this is not what, um, this is not what life is about. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a process. Everything is a process. And so, yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I, I do have friends till, till, till this day that are almost stuck in swimming really? and yeah. they don't, it, it's hard for them to see beyond that simply because, I mean, it's out of their comfort zone. Yeah. And, and when it, when something is out of your comfort zone, it's scary as shit. Yeah, but that's and the best it, part hard. of life, right? Being out of your comfort zone and being scared yeah. out of your mind, it like kind of takes you to the next level. Yep, 100% agree. You know, I was in the same position about a year, a little bit over a year ago when um, I, w- I was separated with a company that I worked for, for, um, you know, four years. And that was only four, five months after I had delivered my son. And so I was, you know, I was a new mom. I didn't have a job. And I wasn't an athlete, you know, I couldn't just like snap my fingers and go back into swimming, knowing that, you know, I could potentially get into the same shape and be, be okay. So what was, what was that one thing that I wanted to do for myself that also is going to have an effect on, on the world around me. And, and this is when I decided to go back to basics, you know, and it's a, it's a combination of my experience as a swimmer and be able to, to, to have that really high-end product that um, that I know, you know, inside out, but also my experience in the PR world um, and the marketing world and be able to build, you know, something from the ground up really in the U.S. because we don't really have a U.S. representation here. So, and, and being able to give back to my country, you know, the country that I started, the country that gave me gave me so much and the, the country that I competed for, you know, for 17 years while I was a swimmer, you know, everything is made in Bulgaria. So part of me is, is extremely grateful that I'm able to still have that tie in and that connection to my country and, and really help because this, this helps the economy in the country. The more, the more business that I get in the U S the more business and, you know, the company that's based hundred kilometers from my home city gets, you know, a company in Bulgaria. And that's where you are right now. That's where I am right now. Yeah. And I mean, I've visited the factory a few times while, while I've been here. And, yeah. um, you know, I, um, I don't know if you saw, I did a little life of like how everything is made and put together and um, all the different pieces and how it's sewn. I actually was there yesterday. Yeah. yeah. And I did another video of like the, the design process and the printing process. So that, so that's, that's coming up because I think it's really important for people to see behind the scenes of how a product is made um, and, and really where it's made. I think we live in a world where there is a lot of abuse and it's important for me to communicate to my customers that, that we do things differently. Um, and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, 
one of the ways that I want to do business. That's awesome. Well, thanks so much for, for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com, and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of, If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.